All right. Well, welcome to another segment of Consults Over Coffee. I'm Dr. Michael Jones, and I'm here with Mike uh, Maruka, who is the head of school at the Anna Julia Cooper Episcopal School in North Churchill. And and I have to say, just to start before we get into all of this, um, if, if our meeting and my visit to the school, if there was ever a true Richmond experience, this was it, because... My good friend, Frank, who did the Charlie Brown Christmas tree thing to donate to your school. That was kind of my first encounter with the Anna Julia Cooper School was, was Frank, Frank giving away Christmas trees for donations to raise money. Right. And then our mutual friend, Janet, hooks me up with you. And all of a sudden, the dots are getting connected. And I come up to visit you guys. And I meet Steve, who teaches there. Right, right. Who was who was my old friend, like a guy I knew from college, which was now I forgot about that. forty years ago or something. It's like this doesn't it doesn't get any more Richmond than this, that everybody is is connected in this town in some way. It's just there's very little degree of separation. The, so so you guys have been up there, the Anna Julia Cooper School, um, which, A, A, I would like to spend a minute talking about Anna Julia Cooper, because what an amazing woman, and what a great role model for what you're doing. Yeah, um, I, I could go on, uh, go on and on. I'm sort of a groupie. I've become a, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'll, you know, share a few things. First, I had never heard of her. So we opened the school in 2009. Obviously, we needed a name, um, and we're casting about uh, and hoping to find the name of a, you know, uh, uh, really a, an African American man or woman who would serve as a great model and so on. Someone put forth the name Manager Cooper. I'd never heard of her. A number of of us uh, began to do some research. And we found out that she had just led this extraordinarily uh, interesting life, born in 1858 in Raleigh, North Carolina. So prior to the Civil War and the end of slavery, lived until 1965. Uh, so she was 105 years old when she when she died. Uh, and I like to think, or 64, maybe it was. I'm, uh, I like to think that, you know, she was born in the time of slavery and lived to see Martin Luther King's speech, I Have a Dream, in 1963. In between that, she devoted her life to education as a teacher, as a principal, got a doctorate at the Sorbonne in French. First uh, Black woman or man, I think, to defend his or her doctorate in a foreign language. She did oh, it wow. in French. So she's an extraordinarily bright woman, uh, a person of deep faith. Uh, once summed up her life as uh, wanted to devote herself to the education of, of what she called neglected peoples. Um, and then uh, a couple interesting, we decided to name the school after her on June 8th, 2009. On June 11th, uh, the U.S. Postal Service issued a stamp in her honor three days later, took all of us by surprise. And then we discovered that if, uh, if anybody hearing this, open your passport and toward the back, there's a quote among the 13 quotes, 12 of which are women 
I mean, trouble with your men. There's one quote, and it's from Anna Julia Cooper. That's uh, really cool. Your U.S. passport. So and there's a. It's an amazing, amazing woman. Amazing life. And yeah. Then, yeah. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. And 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 that's you know and and really probably a good a good role model or a good a good imprimatur for you guys for exactly what you're doing you're up in north church hill you're working you're working with with kids that frankly the educational system in this city and in this country often leave behind yes i mean it's uh it, it is uphill all the way uh with these kids you know most immediately as i think everyone's aware with the pandemic the local school system has been closed they've been closed since march of last year uh, and, uh, you know, I'm very proud. I mean, we had to close when the governor, when the governor issued that decree, I think in March, March 13th, 2020, everyone had to close, but then we opened back up in July for our mandatory summer school. It did not miss a day of, of in-person schooling, uh, beginning this past July and all through the school year. Now we had to do a lot of improv and so on. Uh, but the, we were just driven by this this sense that the kids have to be in school. And, uh, but back to your point, uh, and, and I don't like to blame the school system at all, but, but the, the reality is that they're just facing an overwhelming challenge yeah. with, uh, with the world and the situation that so many of these families and kids are coming out of uh, uh, on all fronts, academically, socially, emotionally. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not, easy, not easy lifting. And, and, and you guys, you guys go for, it's elementary and middle school, is that? Yes. So we began as a middle school uh, with a couple of grades in a house in, in 2009. And we expanded gradually, went down to fifth grade, went down to fourth grade. For, for several years, we were fourth through eighth grade. Uh, and then, of course, the obvious thing is that, as with anything, your own children, my children, the sooner you start, the better. Uh, Someone smarter than me would have started with kindergarten. But we're we're working our way down. So this year, when we open up, we will we will have second grade through eighth grade, and then knock on wood, the following year we'll have kindergarten through eighth grade. So uh, that then we'll sort of be uh, lower school or elementary school and middle school together, K through eight. And and you you've not only grown the the size of the school you've grown the physical footprint of the school as well correct uh in fact last week we had our eighth grade graduation in our new gymnasium uh and it was not quite completed we had the we had at the 11th hour we had to get a temporary certificate of occupancy but it was pretty thrilling for everybody to be in that space uh and then in that same building is what will be this coming school year, the, the middle school building, the classrooms are being worked on. So sixth, seventh and eighth graders will be over there. Uh, we'll be able to increase our numbers this coming year by about 30, I believe. And then, you know, eventually we hope to get up to uh, well over 200 students, uh, which is, uh, I guess, an eightfold increase the very first year in the schoolhouse, we had 25 students in two grades. What's your enrollment now? For this coming year, it'll be one, I think 154. Wow. And we'll we'll kick it off with with summer school in July. And so we should have, you know, the second through eighth graders there. 
and and that was one of the interesting things I looked at is that is you know you mentioned um, you know keeping kids in school even during the pandemic, and you mentioned summer school. I I didn't realize with our first visit that um, you have kids come into summer school. Basically, you do a do you do like a four week block in the middle of summer or? Yeah, exactly. It began as a, uh, you know, going back to your again to your point about the, you know, the 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 kids we're serving or trying to serve here. Uh, time is precious. There's just no getting around that. And you know, a typical summer, much less a COVID summer, uh, last summer and this one is going to be about eleven or twelve weeks. Uh, so we that. And, and, you know, that, that tends to be a pretty rich, wonderful summer for, say, my own kids, but for, but for these kids, not so much. Yeah. They don't have the, you know, the resources and the opportunities. So we take four weeks of that and say, hey, we need to be, we need to be in the game. We need to be in school. Uh, and it's, it's a pretty, we've gotten to the point where it's a pretty straightforward formula of four blocks one focuses on English, one focuses on math, one focuses on reading, and then we have kind of an open-ended fourth period of art, swimming, theater, fun stuff. But that, you know, that time is precious. So we make it, we, we you know, let parents know that it's a, it's a, it's a part of the school year. Uh, and I think, you know, the kids may not be jumping up and down about coming, but I think most of them really want to be here. Well, I, I was I was impressed when I was there with it. It didn't feel like like a traditional public school in any sense. And it's not a traditional public school, but the 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 vibe was much more community oriented. I felt I mean, everybody seemed to be very engaged with each other and and it's i know you guys face face some struggles in that regard but it it felt it felt very inclusive and very caring i mean i i, I walked out of there i walked out of there kind of going this is exactly how people ought to treat each other well um if that's true i'm glad that's the experience you had because i would say the number one goal that I have uh, is not academic, although I always say academics is, if the floor is this, what I like to call a community of affection, like we want to create this community that the kids feel when they walk in the building and that they know it's reliable and dependable and caring and forgiving and challenging and safe and all those things that all of us need in order to be able to to flourish and 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 exercise what gifts and talents we have that's the bottom line we want to recreate that every single day we want to do it for a day for a week for a month for a year for two five years whatever it might be and hope that the accumulation of that has a significant impact on these kids lives but again i'm always quick to say absolutely no different than what i want for my own children so many of these kids don't get that in the way that my child uh, or children get. 
Uh, so we want to create and recreate that. And then just above that, we've got to get serious about the academics. I've sometimes said, you know, a 16th of an inch above that baseline or that foundation, we've got to be serious about the math and about writing and about reading comprehension and all those skills. Otherwise, it's just kind of a nice feel good environment. But, but, you know, what happens when they leave? Are they equipped to be able to you know, have more of a work ethic and, and uh, intellectual curiosity and, and, and all of those things. So, uh, but yeah, the, 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 the fundamental thing is this tangible community of affection. Which well, we and, and, and I think it, it seems particularly important. And, and for folks who, who don't know, you're, you're teaching, you're, your students are largely pulled from the public housing communities in the east end of Richmond. Correct. We, from, from the first year, we've made a commitment uh, and it remains a, a guideline or policy that at least three quarters of our students will be from one of the four neighboring public housing communities, which are tucked up here in the northeast corner of the city and, you know, not by accident. So, you know, the thinking there is, well, that's why we opened the school in the first place, right, was to come into a, an, an environment where, they're, where where kids need something like this, or where we certainly think they do. Um, but we don't want to be that school which is skimming what I'll often call the more able or more stable families. Uh, and we have the luxury of being able to choose, like any independent school or private school, we can choose who we want to serve. Uh, but one of the one of the checks on that, I think there's a natural tendency to lean toward the again the more able and stable students. A check on that is to say, no, wait a second, we're going to reach into the public housing communities, and at least three three out of four of our kids are going to come from there, um, and that you know that helps our our typical you know, student body reflect the neighboring public schools. Not entirely. We don't pretend that we. You know, there's some kids who who, sir, who who face some massive deficits for which there are some resources in the public schools that we don't have. But we really, you know, the, the majority of our kids are, are below grade level and, and many well below grade level and filled with all of the emotional and social challenges uh, as well. So, so uh, yeah, that's, that's up until now we've said this is who we want to serve. <clears throat> It, it's 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 both a very laudable goal and a very daunting task, I would think. It is, you know, I, I there uh, while everybody else is working, you know, I'm the guy who who does things like podcasts, right, <laughs> and and talks about the place. But uh, you know, I, I have different ways of describing it. it you know, it's as moving as it is challenging, as moving as it is difficult. Uh, catastrophes break out all the time in the lives of our families. Uh, I got a text last night from a family, you know, looking for a place to live where they could pay. She's looking for a, a two or three bedroom apartment. And, and, the, and this mom, whose daughter just graduated from eighth grade here, uh, says she's got $750 or $800 uh, per month. Well, I'm not aware of anywhere that you can get, you can get a decent apartment for that amount. So the the challenges are, are, are on all fronts. Phones are always running out of minutes. Transportation is a perennial issue. 
uh, you know, incarceration. I mean, it kind of goes on and on. Kids are all familiar with that. The All of them are, you know, gunshots is part of the background of their of their lives where they live uh so it's 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 daunting and and uh and i feel all of that i mean i i get discouraged all the time so uh but then there also there isn't a day that goes by where i don't see kids making progress which often doesn't happen in other schools and can become extraordinarily dispiriting for teachers and staff and other schools who are working so hard, but they don't see the progress. Here, we really see progress all the time on all fronts. Then the name of the game is, can we sustain that? And is it enough? Is it enough? You know, that's my biggest concern uh, to, to merit the, uh, and to honor those who were, who were uh, supporting us, you know, were supported by donors who believe in what we're doing and, and, they, and they provide the funding uh, and it's, it's kind of the best kind of money. It doesn't come with strings attached, but what that does do is engender in me and the rest of the staff, I think a desire to want to do the best we possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I remember, and we talked a little bit about this, um, cause your, your Richmond cycling Corps kind of it covers a lot of the same ground. And I remember talking to Craig Dotson um, in, in the past about the challenges that they face, which are really the same challenges that you face. And, and in these, these kids, it's really, it's the academic challenges, probably the, the smallest hurdle to overcome for a lot of these folks, I would think. It, it's Absolutely. Really, yeah. Absolutely. As are the, you know, there's a lot of talk about the poverty, material poverty. That's the those are rel that's relatively minor, I think, and I don't want to misspeak or have that be misinterpreted, but uh, it's the, you know, the internal, all those, all those things that are, that are most important, a kind of stability uh, that many of us can take for granted, uh, a work ethic, being in an environment which is safe, those, you know, creating that is really, I think, uh, takes precedence uh, and then the academics have to come in, but it's, it's, uh, it's really the former, which is most important. And Craig Dotson is, I'm not sure I've met anybody more eloquent and articulate about the, he, he was not afraid to, to talk. And blunt and blunt. And totally blunt. Yeah. He was, if you're looking for some, uh, you know, propaganda and feel good, brochures he's not the guy but you know he's, he's a real truth teller and i think that's you know part of his appeal for for many people and, and they're continuing now he's got a guy named matt coon has was a kind of a protege of craig's and and continues yeah. that work with uh with richmond cycling Corps uh to this day so but it's interesting because you 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 made that comment it, it really is is not just it's not the the poverty aspect of this, because we're about the same age. My, you know, I remember my parents were, were kids in the depression, you know, and I remember, you know, my mom saying her dad was a cop in Baltimore and, and he made $7 a week. And yeah. that was a house with three siblings, two parents, the extended family, and God only knows who else who showed up who needed a place to stay or something to eat. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and while that certainly affected how my parents viewed the world going forward, there was still a stable social structure. That's, I think, probably the big difference. I think a lot of the, the kids that you're dealing with don't have that stable social structure for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't have that, it's really hard. You don't have, it's hard to build on from there. It's a problem that for the overwhelming majority of our kids was 400 years in the making. So it's, uh, it's very much uh, just the fruit, if that's, that's probably not a very apt metaphor, but of, of the history of this country and all the consequences of that, the trauma that these kids carry. If uh, there are social and emotional um, blocks at every turn, you know, whether it's where you can go to the bathroom or where you can go to school or, I mean, all these things accumulate over time or where you can buy a house or can't buy a house. Uh, I mean, the menu is endless where, where our, our, our black brothers and sisters, you know, hit roadblocks and stop signs at every turn that too accumulates over time. And this is what, you know, then the tricky thing, Mike, is to, and Anna Julie Cooper would be the first to say this, you don't want to make that the entire narrative, right? At some right. point, you got to say, wait a second, you know, we can still do this. There's still hope. There's, there's still work that, become, that can be done. I think of the kids, you know, we don't have any kind of magic that we do here. What we do is, what we, we, we to take a phrase from the philosophers, we we create what I like to call, you know, the, the condition for the possibility of these kids to really thrive. And because there are kids in here who are great writers, they just need the opportunity to be able to be taught and to run with that, just as there are kids who are great artists and great uh, soccer players, whatever it is. I mean, they've got the same, they're full of gifts and talents like, like anyone else, but to, to create the space in which that can be exercised is really what we're, you know, what we're trying to do. And, and, and you've had kids certainly come out of there and, and head off to high school and then head off to college and be successful, right? I mean, oh yeah, you've I had think... some kids, you've had, I'm sure you've had some kids who just couldn't break out of their environment, but you've had some kids who've done really, really, really well. Yeah, we've got some kids who've done great. One of the things that when I talk about, you know, we live in this, especially if you're in, in the nonprofit world, uh, maybe in the for-profit as well, I suppose, for, for stockholders. But you want to talk about outcomes, right? That's the, that's the, the uh, currency. You know, what are your outcomes? How many kids are going to high school? How many kids are going to college? Um, we've had extraordinary outcomes, I think. I always like to tell, tell uh, our supporters, you want to be really careful about taking too much credit for the kids who have gone on and quote done well, or too much blame for the kids who've really struggled. I think there's a lot of truth in that because we want to, you know, we want to talk about the kids who have, who have, who have graduated from college. And in fact, I hired one this past year. We had our, so our oldest cool. class was uh, had I think six or seven students who graduated from four-year colleges and I hired one of them. So we sort of came full circle. This is a, a young lady who grew up in Whitcomb Court. 
um, and was in the very, the very first day, first class in sixth grade at AJC. Um, there are also, as you and I speak right now, a couple of our graduates are in the city jail uh, facing, uh, you know, well, yeah. de facto, uh, a tough future. It, it's got to feel, it's got to feel really, I mean, it, as, as hard as it is to watch the bad outcomes, having, having one of your first students come back to teach has got to feel really, really good though. Oh, it's great. It feels good. And it's also very entertaining because she can share with <laughs> staff, you know, what Mr. Maruka was like, really how he hasn't changed at all from <laughs> <laughs> it's a little blackmail. <laughs> he was trying to calm me down back then and is still doing the same. But yeah, it's, it's enormously, I think it's one of the reasons the school attracts so many good uh, people in terms of staff or volunteers or donors. Uh, and, to go, and to go back a bit to the whole outcome thing, I think it also, People who really appreciate the the circumstances and the challenges that these that so many of these kids face, they are not expecting them to all head off to college. Right. Uh, they're not expecting all the results to be great results, and I, and I try hard as the as the primary storyteller and spokesperson for the school to be very honest with people about the, you know, where where it hasn't, you know, we haven't cracked the code, uh, and that the there's there's so much to overcome and but but uh, you're making you guys are clearly making a difference absolutely and and and, absolutely. and and i will get back to one of my first statements which was when i walked out of out of that school i had this incredible sense of humanity it was like a breath of fresh air because we live in a country right now that's just it's like some giant professional wrestling match going on right now it's people <laughs> people shouting at each other diving off the ropes throwing chairs and it's like there's not really any civil discourse it's all it's all bravado and and toxic masculinity and and to walk into a place and walk out or walk out of a place and go you know what here are people caring for each other and doing their best what more do you want I mean, yep. that's all you can ask of people. And so really the most important thing is not, most important thing is what's happening right then when you came in the building? What's happening right now? What's happening when we open again on yeah. July 5th? That's the most important thing that we have some control over and that we can create and recreate. And then the, you know, the results are, you know, to some extent out of our hands. But that's the, if a kid comes in and feel something great and and they have a good day uh that's gold right there it is and then you hope the next day that it happens again so, so that they get you know that they really you know another way of trying to explain what we're trying to do is have them have that experience again this is true of any child a lived experience of uh of being loved and being in a healthy environment and uh, being part of something that just feels good. And then, and you want to be, I've, I've sometimes used the example of, you know, we're putting on a play every morning and the curtain goes up and all the staff members, we've got to know our lines cold, but we also have to be ready to improvise. Absolutely. Uh, but kids get, you know, kids get caught up in that. They're the, you know, they're not the extras. That's not the right term, but they're, they're in the midst of the play. We're putting on the play around and with them. And hopefully they want to be part of it. 
which means they want to begin mimicking the the behavior uh, of what the, all the adults around them are doing, which is smiling and taking care of one another and picking each other up and having each other's back and saying, hey, I need help, rather than exploding and getting frustrated and angry, saying, hey, you know, I'm tired today. Uh, and we make a point of trying to do that kind of thing out loud and in front of the kids so they can say, oh, there, there's different ways of dealing with frustration or, or being tired. You know, we all have bad days uh, where we don't have to implode or get angry. And, and, you know, again, because you guys rely on folks donating and volunteering, how can folks get a hold of you or learn more if they want to get involved or contribute to this? Uh, I guess in this day and age, the easiest way is just to pull out your phone or your computer and, and go to, you know, Anna J. Cooper. We've got a website, ajces.org. You know, they can shoot an email to the school. People are always welcome to drop by here on 29th Street. I love having people come by. We have we have a phone number. You can call a number <laughs> 822-6610. You know, I mean, it's I'll like have, a, I'll have it scroll across the bottom. Yeah, of the really. Screen, call now. It'd be like I'm, like in, I'm, I'm in an infomercial, you know. It, and we're just we're just about out of time. I just want to I would encourage people to call you guys or go up there and and, and see what's going on because frankly. I walked out of there and I felt good. I felt really, really good about what was happening there. And and thanks to you and thanks to your staff for everything that you guys are doing because it's it's powerful stuff and it's just the right thing to do. Well, thank you. This has been fun and you're you're mighty kind. This is the kind of stuff we need to hear in our lives right now. It's just it's all, all right. one tribe, man. Amen. So, one yeah. tribe, right, right. This has been another Consults Over Coffee. I'm Dr. Michael Jones, and we'll be back next week.